Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. From the glow of St. Paul's number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Let's get to cabin country. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman, with another Woodland Escape. Well, we'd like to welcome you back to another edition of Cabin Country. Uh, I am Bjorn Lloydstead. Next to me is Fudd Klugman. Good evening, Fudd. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We were going to look into tackle boxes past, Fudd. As I recall, we had thought about why not look at some of the success stories and, and perhaps tragedies that, that we can pull out of a tackle box. The wild world of lures. Right. It's, it's a pretty exciting thing, especially when you're a kid and it's like a box of treasures. Treasure box. Literally. How do I get more than one of these on on my uh, leader at a time? How, I, I want to have five different lures out there. I just got all these cool new things. And to this day, it's hard to... Uh, I, I, I still feel compelled. Well, I haven't used this one yet. Let's try it uh, when I'm fishing. I, predominantly... Now, Fudd, as I understand, predominantly you're... You are a bass angler. Is kind yes. of, kind of your, your mainstay. They're fun to catch. And... Uh, they're generally big enough to keep. If they're really big, of course, we let them Good let eating. them back. Yeah, the, the the sort of mid-range size, just catch a couple, two or three. But as I mentioned to you before, that uh, I, I haven't always had that luck. But uh, this year, I'm I'm happy oh. to say, this summer I was uh, on my dock on the gull, and uh, within a half an hour, I had three beautiful eating size. What, what? Give me a poundage range here. What are you? What are we looking at? Well, I think between two and five pounds, and then even my daughter caught two. I mean, they were they were jumping out of the lake, uh, out of the river. Old, right the older dock. girl or the younger one? But this is the oldest. Okay. This is my my eleven year old, and she uh, hooked her into fishing. She's yeah, enjoying it. It's good. It, it's all that's all it takes too. You know, you, you have a good, you catch a fish like that, and it's, you love fishing. You know, and then you can be plenty disappointed at uh, the future. Uh, trips where you don't catch anything, but it, at least the, the memory, memory of, of, the, that of first, that one. The first snare. Absolutely. That's what keeps you casting. Absolutely. Now, do you, Fudd, have a personal favorite when it's it's lure time? What is it you like to use when you are hunting the lunker? What is it you're snapping onto that leader? We grew up fishing on the Gull River with frog lures, and that was either a rubber... Rubber frog. A rubber frog with a dual hook in the back that was sort of weedless because it sort of hugged the, the base of this little hollow rubber green frog and absolutely and it floated and you just kind of cast it on the lily pads and sort of just drag it along and hope that the lunker was waiting under the pad there and was gonna scoop it up oh, scoop it up scoop it under I should for say. dinner are you are you staying with the frog is that I, I still bring it out but it doesn't have nearly the success as just the, the old black worm. And that's the one, that's the go-to. It's just perpetually on one of the rods I, I have in the bin that I bring up every time I go. But, uh, but we've also fished with hula poppers, and those were fun because they float, and you wait for the rings of the water after the cast to dissipate. 
just sort of pop it. You, you jerk it, and it makes a little snap, pop. Snap sound. the tip of your rod and watch it kind of create those rings, and then the fish get interested, and here they come. But the conditions have to be just right for that. Calm, glass-like water, and, uh, well, and the fish have to be biting. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's an interesting. And I know there's a lot of new uh, sort of plastic and, and rubber leeches, worms, that type of thing that are on the market at this point. That It's a different texture. You know, it's a much more lifelike kind of texture, and then the lures themselves are already kind of impregnated with that smell of, hey, this is, this is something you fish would like to eat. Now, you compare that to the good old days, quote-unquote. I, I, you know, you've heard my stories before about my dad my neighbor really working hard to, to snare me into fishing. And I always convinced my dad that the way to get me involved, get me interested, was to buy me a new lure almost every 15 minutes if at all possible I was I, I loved I'm, I'm I'm a classic American consumer it's shiny it's beautiful hey I gotta get that one let's go try that and of course being a typical kid if it didn't work in the first 10 minutes we'll get rid of that I mean, let's go back to the store you know that kind of thing but I remember my dad used to give me the option the catalogs would show up he was an avid outdoorsman he subscribed to field and stream and great outdoors magazines and things like that and he'd get these catalogs sent to the house, and he'd want to buy, like, a new, I don't know, new lure he liked or maybe a new uh, fillet knife or something. And then I'd say, hey, you know, I'll go with you if I can get some. And he'd always say, well, keep it under five. So I'd find these, like, four ninety nine collections of 35 lures for four ninety nine, And then, hey, I'll do this. And you always got some of those plastic worms. Right. And they did not have that realistic feel and they, they did not it was more like kind of like the gummy worms you might find in a store right now for for kids to eat you know that kind of thing and uh if if your tackle box got any warmer than like 45 degrees they just start to melt in your right. tackle box and uh one in particular comes to mind where i got a whole bowl just a jumbotron collection of those for 3.99 or something silly and and i'd use one and there were little rubber crayfish and all kinds of worms and fake leeches and even a even a, pl- a rubber frog, and we left the tackle boxes in the boat for a couple nights running. You know, it was up on the boat lift, but it was it was hot July days, ninety plus degrees, and then getting out on the lake at one point, opening the tackle box to find I now had not thirty lures, but one massive <laughs> wad of plastic rubber. With about 87 hooks sticking out of it. My dad just kind of laughing, shaking his head, and going, Well, you got to take care of your tackle box, son. Got to look out for that kind of stuff. And, and I guess you got what you paid for. And uh, sure enough, sure enough. And they didn't catch a thing before, but they sure weren't going to, you know, I'm going to put this seven pound blob <laughs> right. with 37 hooks. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Crazy days indeed. <clears throat> so he didn't try throwing the whole wad out to see what <laughs> no. you'd get. Hook it onto that light gauge chain. Put some rotten wieners on <laughs> right. it. See what I could come up with two days later. Absolutely. No, I didn't do it. But, you know, the other thing was, too, you often got, and I got the feeling they were just cheap and easy to produce. So you'd get about 15 to 20 of these little tiny hula poppers. Mm. And they'd be frog colored, and they'd be white with the red, and they'd be yellow with the orange diamonds and all this. It'd be tiny. And you had to, like, break through the paint Oh yeah, on on the you know the hook to attach it <clears throat> because they were they were produced mass mass quantities and very quickly and cheaply I'm sure, but they just float on the surface. There'd be a little a little uh, feathery bit and two little tiny hooks. And they were good for uh, panfish, mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. Perch. Um, my dad wasn't after panfish or perch, so no. he just kind of well you go ahead with that kid and I'm gonna I'm gonna get out the the rapala. I'm gonna get out the daredevil. Going for the trophy. I'm gonna get out the maps. <laughs> the maps. What was, Fudd, I gotta ask, the first lure you ever used where you hooked into something that really changed your mind about fishing? They're, everybody's got their first lure. Like you said, like your daughter caught that good-sized bass, and I'm sure she's gonna remember exactly what she used. And she's gonna use that again, because it's magic. You wouldn't believe it. And what was yours? What? What? Was it the rubber frog? I think it was the rubber frog, Yes. We use various versions of frogs. There was the hula popper, you know, that has the little plastic skirt on it, much like the Hawaiian wiggler. The Hawaiian wiggler. Vintage. Antique. But this one had the, the 
you know, the scooped mouth front so it would make the popping sound when you pulled it. And there was, uh, I think Roland Martin had a, had a brand of, it's just like, it was like this foam chunky looking frog that just was on a single hook and weird looking, like, those little pork rind things that you would get in a bottle. I think those were fishing lures too. Oh, absolutely. But uh, I don't remember those working, but it was just a rubber frog, you know. You'd, you'd, you'd cast it out a few times, and if you didn't get anything, you'd um, haul, haul it up and give it, a few, give it a squeeze. And then the water would spray out of it uh, in case it was getting kind of full. And, and you just keep casting that. Waterlogged so, frog. Yeah. A deep six waterlogger. And so that, uh, that, I think I remember catching or missing big bass. <laughs> On that, so I, so for years we thought that up on the Gull River, that's what you fished with. So, like I said, there's the, the, the yeah, those were back in the in the seventies, and it wasn't until late eighties, I think, that we started fishing with the worms. Maybe the old frog will bring back the, the maybe I strikes. still I still have it. In fact, I still get new ones. In fact, this year. For Father's Day, my girls got a couple of lures for me, and one of them was a new version of a rubber frog, and then it had the uh, rubber tines coming out of each leg, sort of like the plastic hula popper skirts, but uh, sure. they're rubber. So, and that, you know, they keep making them more and more realistic, but, uh, you know, you wonder how, how important is it that this realistic frog with its rubber tines floating and wiggling in the back, is that going to attract the fish anymore? And the plain old real frog with little legs that moved. I, I don't know if it matters. It's sort of like if the fish is there and it's hungry and it plops in front of it, it'll it'll probably bite it. Mouthwatering. Thank you, Don. Indeed, the show cannot continue without a word from our sponsors or the sponsor of your choosing, Don. So stick around for more Cabin Country after this. The following announcement is brought to you by the Bass Fishing Television Network. BFTV Bunker Buster is coming to Lake Vermilion. Join your favorite bass slayers as they compete for top prize money on the greatest lakes of the Upper Northwest. All the energy and entertainment of the Lunker Buster Tournament Series. Pumped up with the new edition of the Tournament Gallery Option. Don't just watch the scores come in at Tournament Central. Be part of the action. Add your boat to the flotilla following your favorite pros. Just like the galleries offering support to their favorite golfers, add your voice to the gallery supporting your favorite angler. That's right. You are there to follow your angler through fair water or foul. Let's rip some lips. Real deal. Bunker Buster 17 is headed to the following hot spots Woo. later this summer. Gull Lake. Lake Osakis. Lake Mahamadu. Lake Minnewaska. And Lake Minnetonka. Bunker Buster 17 is guaranteed to create big game fishing fever. Boom! Catch it! By launching your boat and joining the gallery, you agree to abide by the no-wake rulings and agree to give the anglers their traditional 50-foot buffer zone. In the back room hideout, Slick Maynard, big-time crook confidence man, was talking to his two partners in crime, Fingers and Biff. I remember my neighbor, the the gentleman I went to Canada with, uh, when we decided to run into a rock that was poorly labeled on, on a different show. We talked about that a little bit, but he was of the old school that, uh, you know, uh, he'd catch frogs, uh, small frogs, little mm-hmm. little kind of wood frogs or whatever, and then he'd hook those. Yeah, my and dad throw did that. Them out, and uh, he, he liked the real action, the real smell, and you know, even a little blood. Ah uh, yes. Well, there, you know, you, you can't can't beat real minnows, real frogs, real worms, real leeches, and in fact, oftentimes we'll put on a, a minnow on a on a jig, of course, or a piece of worm. Well, that was that was the lure that uh, hooked me. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, into fishing, uh, the first probably two plus pound northern pike I ever caught as a kid. Trolling, I like that. We're moving. You know, we're not moving fast, but we're moving. We're, getting, we're looking at different stretches of shore and different boats on lifts and all. So we're moving, and my dad put a MEPS, a MEPS kind of spinner bait on my leader, and then on the treble hook. So a MEPS, and a lot of you know this already, but the, there's a 
kind of a brass or copper body and a, and a spinner in front of that, spinning spoon, uh, kind of a squirrel tail kind of skirt, mm. and then in that skirt is a treble hook. Um, they come in different sizes. He gave me a nice me- medium-sized one, but then he, on one of the hooks of the treble, he, he went through the head of a Shiner minnow, and uh, that that gathered a powerful strike, and a lot of, oh my god, and, whoa, and I'm reeling and reeling and reeling, and then up, you know, thrashing up out of the water came a probably two to three pound northern pike, and I, I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, and clearly Meps are bar none, the finest lures ever made and that was all i wanted to fish with from there out if we were going trolling right if we were going trolling but you know my dad himself he swore by the daredevil he was a daredevil guy the red and white spoon he had several versions he had some were silver had the big red fake jewel eyes on him mm-hmm. he had a couple that were weedless so you'd have that that piece of metal coming down and kind of guarding the the nose tended to be like single or double yeah. hook Kind of right. deals. They kind of curve back in, and then that, that metal would come down and guard the hook, so the weeds wouldn't catch in. Uh, but if a fish bit down, it was going to push that that guard and then get stuck. Right. Um, I was going to ask you what the strangest lure you might have had was. Mine I picked up at a um, garage sale when I was a kid in the neighborhood, and it was great. Wow, it's only ten cents, and it's still cleaning in the it box. out. Clean out the garage. And so I, I bought this jitterbug, which is just kind of an oval, tiny cigar-shaped lure, and it has a big double spoon Scoop, on the front. Yeah, kind of. yeah. So it it jitters across the the kind of the surface of the water. Well, this one was squirrel painted. I mean, oh, excuse me, chipmunk painted. And again, we're talking the size of your thumb, you know. <laughs> so. The I don't know. Fortunate baby chipmunk that fell out of the tree, <laughs> <laughs> and it's scrambling for dear life and wobbling oh, and drowning and squealing. Appetizing. Here comes a bass. Oh my gosh! Well, I never did catch anything on it, and I I still wonder why I I, I bought it. Maybe it just looked new. Maybe it maybe that's something you need to put back in the lake at some point. You take give it another run. It's I just I, I will happens. try it every once in a while just to just to see if. There are many lures in the box that have never caught a single fish. So, uh, and I keep trying them. I keep trying them. But, anyways, did you have any? St- other well, than I'll maps? take it a step further. I didn't. I didn't necessarily buy anything that was all that unusual. But again, I was. I was gifted by a, a, a lifelong fisherman uh, who was nearing his days of I'm not fishing anymore. It's just too hard to get in and out of boats and I don't have a lake place and I don't even have a boat. So my days have kind of ended with this and he gave me three tackle boxes. Wow. Three tackle boxes full of full of gear, full of lures. Oh my gosh. And it was something else. I, I was of course in heaven. I you know. That's a treasure. Look at the, when are we going to go out and use those? My dad would say and I was like <laughs> I just want to sit and look at them. This right. is amazing. But there were some weird ones. There were some weird ones. There were uh, something you brought up. There were two or three different versions of something called the Hawaiian Wiggler, in there, oh, yeah. kind of a metal, almost arrowhead-shaped body to these things. And boy, did they do a great paint job on those back in the. And they still do. Don't get me wrong. But I've, these were made in probably like the 1940s, mm-hmm. and just you know, it was a silver, kind of thick arrowhead-ish looking body with eyes painted on it and then it, it just faded to kind of pink red on one side and then light green dark green on the other and silver in the middle and then it went to a spinner and little fringes almost a skirt of rubber you know yeah. things that would, would wiggle in the mm-hmm. water and then beyond that again a treble hook and out front uh, kind of like a almost sticking out a ways from it would be a, a spinner so it was like that would spin, and the spinner on the end of it would spin, so it's creating this weird kind of bubble channel under yeah. the water, and then all this wiggling rubber, and the, the beautiful paint job, and these, you know, two or three of those in there. Um, a bunch of, I believe made in Minnesota, the Rapala. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of a floating, uh, you know, minnow. There was a silver shiner, there was a blue shiner, there was a kind of a gray-black shiner. Again, two sets of little trebles and there was the kind of plastic almost kind of scoop underneath the the chin mm-hmm. so it would make some kind of interesting interesting shapes uh all kinds of spoons those red-eyed daredevils the straight up daredevils uh jitterbug there were two or three jitterbugs in there one was called an argonaut 
And this uh-huh. kind of looked like a little perch, but then it did this weird, because of those two scoops, the weird wobble through the water, um, and it floated. And then um, four or five, I, apparently this gentleman was a big fan. They were, they were One was called a Lazy Daisy, and the other three were called Lazy Ikes. Sure. And they were, it was really an odd lure to describe. It was, I mean, it, if you imagine taking like a, something the shape of a really thick colored pencil and then making the front end kind of curve down right. and go flat. And that's yeah. where you hooked on your leader. Yeah. And then behind it would be the two sets of treble hooks. And it was just flat on the end. And, and they were really strange colors. One was orange with kind of a red fade on the front and some black dots. And one was red with a big yellow stripe down the middle. And one was the kind of classic green sort of, it's a frog. Right. <laughs> Like you've never seen before, <laughs> the skinniest frog in the world with no legs. But you know, I mean, and they all—they were—it was wonderful for me because they all—it was so different. They were all so different. I'm gonna try this one. Then I'm gonna try this one. Then I'm gonna try this one for three casts, and then I'm done. You know, put <laughs> it back. And the funny thing is, they're all still sitting in my basement. You know, I've still got all these rapalas, and there's a couple meps in there. All these daredevils, plus a bunch of knockoffs that are smaller nice. that came in more. You know. 35 lures for two ninety nine, and look at these tiny little spoons and anything bigger than a pound would get their jaws on it and just bend the heck out of it but <laughs> I didn't care you know I'm like this is great this is outstanding look at all the tackle I almost got the feeling I mean now that I think back on it I think my approach was more is better I may never use any of it but look at all the stuff I've got and eventually my dad kind of said you know I think we're done buying you all this stuff and you're going to use what you have or or you can spend your own money on it. And good luck with that. But. Uh-huh. That is... Yeah, you've got a treasure trove. I've got a treasure trove. At some point, I'll, I suppose I'll either pass them on to my kids or I'll throw them on eBay or something and say... No, you won't. You'll <laughs> bring them over to my house. <laughs> we'll bring them, up, uh, bring them up to the Gull River and yes. see what happens. We'll just sort of take turns casting and see what happens. You know, there were some hula poppers in there, too, and of a good size. I mean, not just the little ones I used to buy... Mm-hmm. bulk and used for sunnies but uh, yeah there were some hula poppers in there I remember asking my dad what's with the hollowed out front you know it looks like it's got it's mouth wide open what's that oh, just flip the tip of your rod you'll see what I'm talking about and it, it was cool to watch and you'd get a few things every now and again I'd, I'd just fiddle around off the end of our dock and we didn't have the world's biggest dock maybe two three sections out kind of out of the mainstream our lake as I've mentioned before was a long thin lake and it was perfect for people who loved water skiing and jet skiing but our, you know, we were kind of in a, a recessed area, shallow bay kind of area. And we had all kinds of small fish off the end of our dock, and and if I was just messing around with those hula poppers, there'd always be a, a perch, <laughs> a perch or a, a very small crappie or pumpkin seed or something, try to follow it up, and oh yeah, the mouth wasn't big enough to get around the treble hook. Right. But it was like, well, I'm gonna take a shot at it here, you know, You're like go away, small fry, get out of here, you know. And, yeah, those little fish, uh, at least in my experience, you're fishing for the big ones, but then the little ones try to get a bite, and they have just, just they get onto it just enough to cause a little resistance, so you pull the rod back, setting the hook really hard, and all you manage in doing is sending the lure straight at you. Yeah! <laughs> it's headed right for you. Right for you. And treble hooks ablazing. So there's plenty of that, and then you're reeling in the slack line, looking around if anybody saw you fall Absolutely. for the... Little, weak, little sunfish bite. Come on. <laughs> but anyway. Well, a good-sized a good sized panfish, though. They... Well, I wouldn't mind pulling in a good-sized panfish, but most of these are tiny. Like, wow, is this big enough to bring in the fish tank? Home, Dad? Oh, no know? kidding. Donate it to the DNR at the state fair. <laughs> well, what's that? Well, it's a, that's a pumpkin seed, son, and this over here's a bluegill, and I caught it with a small net. <laughs> you can have it for your tank. Can't thank you enough for all the time, Don. That's perfect. Uh, perfect heads up. That's uh, it's sponsor time, and uh, Don is kind enough to let us know it's it's time for a word from our sponsor. So hang in there. We'll be right back with more cabin country. Now a message for all our pipe smokers out there. 
Whitetail Ridge, the purveyors of fine pipe tobacco blends suitable for both fishing boats and walks in the woods, are proud to announce their newest late summer autumn pipe tobacco blends. Hunter's Walk. Hunter's Walk is a bold blend of both Latakia and Virginia Burley tobaccos, with just a hint of the brisk north wind and the scent of quaking aspen. Lace up your boots and check the safety on the 12-gauge. Hunter's Walk is the pipeful delight as you head back to the cabin at the end of a woodland hut. Moderate strength with very little aftertaste. Hunter's Walk will take you back to autumn, even in the chill of winter, or the heat of summer. Sunset Bay. An equal mix of Virginia Bright and a touch of Burley. And a gentle breeze through the cattails. Sunset Bay will burn smoothly and slowly. A perfect smoke while fighting that three-pound smallmouth at the end of your line. The glow of Sunset Bay in your pipe will mirror the setting sun descending over the tree line. Enjoy a bowl tonight. Whitetail Ridge still offers their traditional smoking mixtures. Tree Standard, Woodcutter's Blend, Whitewater Run, and Ringneck Number 5. Ask for these and other fine Whitetail Ridge products at your local tobacconists. You'll be glad you did. Now back to Bjorn Lloydstead and Fudd Klugman on Cabin Country. I don't know if you did this when you were little, trying to catch minnows with a net, and how they're too quick. You know, like maybe you're using the little the little uh, minnow scooper for your minnow bucket, right? Uh, or something a little bit bigger, and trying to scoop one out of the lake or the river. Well, I don't know how long it took, how many days, months, weeks, years, and I finally got one. You got one. So I said, "Can I take it home, Dad?" You know, what? Well, I don't think it's going to survive the trip. You know, it's a three-hour trip back home. Well, I'll just keep, you know, I know like the fish tank at home, there's there's oxygen going the through the pump. So what I, my idea was to take a little straw. I, I put a little water in a little uh, leech styrofoam cup. I put the minnow in that, and then I had a straw. And all the way home, I was going to keep the fish alive by blowing it, by blowing air. Actually, so it was carbon dioxide, and so I, I don't know if that was helping any. So imagine three hours. We're in the gold, going back there. gold station wagon, and my mom's listening to uh, top hits of the 70s, and uh, I'm blowing into this little cup. Well, I, I think the thing stayed alive, but it wasn't long after putting it in the tank that it went belly up, of course. Uh-oh. But uh, I made a valiant effort. <laughs> made, your, made your attempt. So, uh, yet another thing I tried to take out of its element. I mean, it's like, either use the minnow and kill it by putting on your hook and fishing with it, or leave it alone. Uh, Let it be. But, uh, anyways. Good karma. Going back to that treasure trove of yours. Oh, makes, yes. Makes me think of another thing. I'm kind of dominating. That's all right. The tackle the box memories here. Yeah, the world of fun. So there's a theme song in there somewhere, I think. From the lakes of milk. Hey, t- clean that up, would you? John. <laughs> uh, every spring, we get what's known as cabin fever in these parts, where after the long winter, we're just anxious for the snow to melt, we're anxious for the water to open up, and to get up to the cabin. The ice is out. Yes. Did I just say water? Water to get out? Ice melt. Did you? I, I, I think had, I just said ice melt. The I, ice melt. Well, what you did before, you were ready to get up. It was too mucky to get up to the to the cabin, so... The road in was too wet. So what, what you do is you go through your tackle box, and it's like you take your inventory. You open it up, you take everything out, and you look at it. Whoa. And you think, wow, look at all this I've got. The loot. It'd be fun to get some more. Gotta add to it. Well, I was there with you. I'm, uh, let's buy, let's add to it in tens of dozens of new things. But oh, yes. anyway, so you looked at everything that well, was you in your box. Well, you look at everything. Maybe try to clean it. You know, and uh, of course, my dad would say, you know, well, if you've got any rusty hooks, you either have to file those clean with a little emery board, or uh, try to put in a new hook, or you just don't use it anymore because you know, no good using a rusty hook. And 
so that was uh, an annual springtime cabin fever tradition to clean out the tackle box and uh, I know my grandpa was uh, was a champion of taking good care of your tackle box because when we got the first ones the most excited I ever saw my grandpa he was more excited you know, he always was falling asleep in his chair watching the ball game uh, at, at home and we'd visit but um, when he uh, gave us tackle boxes uh, for our birthdays he would say now you have to treat this tackle box like a watch huh I had to have my dad explain that to me later <laughs> uh, what put a new I, battery I don't in quite it? What, I don't, what do, you, do you have to wind something don't crack later? the crystal what, what? what I don't get it but uh, I think uh, you know to him you know a watch was a piece of jewelry something very special treasure around your wrist well your tackle box is just as valuable so he excitedly gave us that. Opened. Up. I think he was more excited than I was when I opened it up. And I was pretty young. And my first tackle box. And you just you want to treat this like a watch. Fud. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Was it a plastic, small plastic tackle box? Fud. It was, was kind it a of a big metal. No, this one was. Uh, we were in the age of uh, plastics by then. This is early mid seventies. Bakelite. Uh, yes. But yes, it, uh, it it was it was plastic and very durable, uh, and uh, just had the single tray. Mm-hmm. That's all we needed. I think we got with it uh, some red and white bobber floats and a package of hooks. You know, just panfish hooks. And sure. Just the basic uh, setup, and oh, that was the most exciting thing. And of course, well, my birthday, well, was in the middle of winter, so it was a long wait until I got to use all this brand new. Stuff absolutely, and to wait it out. So, but yes, uh, uh, a, a, a tackle box indeed is a treasure. So don't you dare go selling any of that stuff. All on. right, all right. Or I could do the uh, basement art project with the old fishnet <laughs> hanging from the wall, and then all these old lures hanging on it, and just hope to God the young nephews and nieces don't come over. And right. oops, you just caught. The oh, little guy. My you know. goodness. What happened? Well, he wanted to look at the lure, and he ended up... Oh, dear. Well, i got to tell you, that's one thing I avoided, Fudd, and all my... I never ended up getting a hook through the meat of the hand or, you know, into the thigh or anything, but I will say this much. In a, in a very young age of learning how to cast, with, thankfully, a fairly small, like, panfish hula popper in the boat... I think I later did. I reenacted this later on the dock as well. <laughs> but poor dad, you know, leaning over, looking in the bait box as I like crank back and let fly, and nothing happens. My arm, you know, oh, what, what did I catch? And I, I managed to. And thank goodness, both times, both times, because I can imagine the language and the repercussions. But uh, I didn't hook my father's skin, but I did catch the seam of his polyester slacks. <laughs> so that could have been a record, you know. Wow. I caught a 190 pound. No, 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 no. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. That doesn't count at all. But I remember him being like, "You have got to be careful for crying out loud." <laughs> oh yes, this is absolutely ridiculous. Now another thing I did find in one of those treasure boxes was just this big rubber weight, and I remembered asking my dad, "I don't. What is this? Why? Why is this here? I think I know, but..." help me out on this one and he said well yeah you put that on your leader instead of a lure and you just practice your casting with it it won't mm-hmm. get caught in the weeds you can start aiming your casts directing your casts all this kind of stuff just practice it's all you use it for and at the time my brother-in-law and my sister were up at the cabin and then this was actually my preferred method my dad would you know put a big shiner on a, on a hook and give it about eight, five feet of uh, lead and then a bobber, a couple of sinkers, you know, cast it out about 20 feet, set the rod in, in a, one of the pipes for the dock, you know, that hold the dock mm-hmm. up, just kind of leave it in there, which always seemed kind of dangerous to me. Man, if you really catch the big one, it's going to pull it right out. You're going to lose your rod. The... No, 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 I got this, you know. And then he'd mm-hmm. sit down with his lawn chair and his big thermos mug of coffee and light his pipe sit there in his fisherman's bucket hat and yep just watch the boats go by and watch that bobber and sometimes he'd read a book but usually 
brother-in-law would sit down, I'd sit down, and we again, solve the world's problems, whatever, and then just watch those bobbers. Just sit. Right. But I was the guy that had some attention problems, so I'd be, no, 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 I'll, okay, I'll, I'll go over on the neighbor's dock, they're not here, and I'm just going to practice. Well, at this point, my brother-in-law was, we had a steep, yeah, probably 25, 30 foot, uh, you know, slope going down to the lake. Like our lawn, and then boom, it drops way off, and this, right. this you know, slope going down, and uh, take the stairs down to the dock. And I was down on the dock and using that, that casting weight. And we had these huge maples, huge birch trees leaning out over the lake. And he was up on, on the edge looking down at the at the, the hillside in his lawn chair and drinking his co- I mean, drank coffee out of those thermos steins and those <laughs> old, you'd find them at like flea markets. They'd have like a beer ad on them and they'd be thermos, like big steins, right. you know, plastic insulated steins. And he'd fill them up with coffee and he'd just sit there. I think at the time too, he even smoked cigarettes. So he'd be working on cigarettes and drinking coffee and just kind of watching life go by. And <laughs> he's watching me cast and <clears throat> I was having some fun. I, mean, I was getting some good distance, and then I realized, hey, you know, like I remember watching those movies about Robin Hood, and you aim up, aim high, and really let fly, and you'll get this huge arc, and then <laughs> splash, you know, and really. And he'd be sitting there. Oh, that was a good one. See if you can go higher. All right. <laughs> and, you know, oh, that was even better. Let's see what you got. And pretty soon, I fired it straight up into the air. <laughs> Went about seventy feet up into the top branches of a of a birch and a mature birch that was leaning out over the lake, uh, yeah. and I caught the top of the birch tree with like fifty five, you know, fifty to seventy yards of, of well, yards, okay, at least feet of of line out, and this thing tied around the top of a tree, and I, <laughs> what made sense to me in about third grade, well, start reeling, <laughs> so, reeling like crazy, and this tree's just bending and. Yeah. At which point, my brother-in-law started singing the theme song from the land of Virgil Ward. <laughs> the world of Virgil Ward. Like, oh, yeah, there Here we go. Is. That's me. That's the stuff. That was it. Crazy, crazy day. You didn't reel yourself skyward, did you? Well, I probably, if I'd really set my mind to it, but uh, not so much. Now, on a different wavelength, same doc, same brother-in-law, and my sister now. And when we bought that cabin, we inherited all kinds of old kind of, I guess you'd say, vintage fiberglass fishing rods that were just hanging on the walls, you know. And uh, we all had, I mean, my dad had his and I had mine, and my mom got the leftover one because she almost never fished. But we had our own rods, but then there were these extras up there when people came up. Sister-in-law, brother-in-law, they both do like my dad, and they put a lawn chair out, grab a can of pop, fill up a coffee, whatever, just throw out that minnow. Let it sit. Make sure there's about 15 feet between each bobber so you don't cross your lines. You don't want to cross your lines. And we're not far enough out that the water skiers are going to cut the lines or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, my sister's bobber goes down. And, it, it, you know, normally, I don't know, average to smaller fish, it's kind of jolting a little bit and goes down and comes up and then boop and kind of goes under. But this one... There's a bobber, and it just sinks like a rock, just gone. And that, that, and it's one of these old leftovers from the cabin, and it just doubles over, you know. And she grabs it, and then she's looking at her husband, my brother-in-law, and she's, what, help me out here, oh my gosh. They start reeling it in, and they get about 10 feet of line in, and it starts pulling it out again. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's kind of like watching the big sailfisher people on, you know, Right. I'm trying to be politically correct here. I want to say fishermen. The sail fishermen, you know, on those those Pacific Ocean shows or whatever. Sure. Big game fishing. I mean, it's pulling line out. You're hearing the drag, you know. It's going back out. and This, that, and the other thing. And <clears throat> They're getting it closer to the dock, but it's 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 a struggle. And my dad's super fired up now, and he's got the big landing net. <laughs> okay, take it slow. Take it slow. Easy, easy. You know, and that's this rod. And it's bending like I've never seen a rod bent. And all the, the excitement of it, I'm like, what is on the end of that line? This is insane. And uh, probably, you know, a good 20 minutes of reeling and fighting the drag and reeling. And again, my dad in his Central Junior High School jacket with his, with his fishing hat on and his pipe sticking out of his teeth. And, oh, he's looking over the edge of the dock. And, and uh, it gets probably about 10 feet away, and they can see... It's a really big smallmouth bass. I mean, big.
big. Wow. Um, and he's getting the net ready and take it slow, take it easy, and all of a sudden, snap, and that rod breaks in half. But the line is intact. So the line's oh. hanging on, and the rod starts sliding out in the water towards the lake, and it's underwater, but he's, she's got, like, in her hands this nub of a fishing <laughs> rod and the the you know the reel wow. and all this line out and the, the thankfully the line hadn't snapped. My brother-in-law runs up to the cabin, grabs a pair of work gloves, puts them on, comes back down, grabs the line, and says, "Just hold on to that handle." And he starts hand over hand pulling in this line. Wow. You know, a grown man, pretty good shape, but probably a 190 pound guy, and he's just he's fighting this thing. <laughs> it's like the old man in the sea here now. He's, <laughs> and I don't know how much line he brought back in, but. It was, a, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of smallmouth bass in my days, but this thing looked almost prehistoric. It was, <laughs> it wow. was uh, the small head, small, well, small mouth, obviously, small head, but then this, like, this huge hump of a back and a huge, you know, like they always say, boy, that, look at the, look at that sow belly, you know, yeah. just a huge, that was a big fish that had been preying upon minnows and crayfish with success over the, Years and um, finally got it out of the lake, and uh, you know, did the get get the little black Zebco f- hook fish fish wear, oh, yes. you know, kind of thing, and get that in its mouth. And I was like, "Good lord, that's about five six pounds," and uh, big, you know, good sized fish. It kind of stole from the from the moment for me that, that a five pound fish would break this rod. <laughs> right. But you know, it wasn't just the fish was five pounds, but these mature bass fight. Yeah. really hard I mean this thing yeah. was it was not going to be taken it's, you won't take me alive you know and well we did um, shortly thereafter my dad filleted it but my brother-in-law was like save the head people will not believe her or me when we say we've got this ridiculously so they my dad cut the fish's head off huh. and they threw it in their freezer and I, I'm going to guess now that that was probably about 30 some years ago it's not there anymore <laughs> is my <laughs> guess but that was, you know, instead of getting it taxidermized or whatever and mounted and put on the fireplace or anything, they just, let me let me pull this fish head out of the freezer. You won't believe this thing. Look at the size Whoa. of the size of that Ooh. thing. Cut the chatter. Yeah, it was uh it was unbelievable, but that was that was a legend. Yeah. Well, thought I got one more fish story for us here tonight, but I can see that Don is giving me the glad eye and That's right. looking like he's about to push some buttons on the control panels here, so I think possibly we will hear that story as soon as we come back after this word from our sponsors. Fancy pants. Fancy There's a short man on the deck. We'd like to encourage you to stick around after cabin country each week and slow down a bit. Pick up some of the small town wisdom of today and yesteryear with good old Lloyd. Thank you, folks. Thank you so much. Now I'm going to have a, another sip of my coffee. <sighs> Just because it's 8.20 p.m. doesn't mean a fella can't enjoy a sip of his favorite brew. <laughs> well, I like to have coffee when I start tripping down memory lane. Those wonderful days when I was a boy and would visit my grandfather every Saturday afternoon. I called him Gramps. And we had many adventures. And our sound effects man, Virgil, is going to come out and help us bring those memories alive for you now as we look back to Saturdays with Gramps. Every Saturday when I knocked on Gramps and Grandma's front door, I'd hear old... I'd hear old Duke barking inside like Satan was after him. And, then I'd hear the sound of Gramps' yelling voice. Uh, sometimes he was yelling at Duke to stop barking, and sometimes he was yelling at the television because the twins lost again. Well, at any rate, Gramps was generally happy to see me, and then he'd lead me through the house, through the kitchen where Grandma was making cookies, and we'd, uh, I'm not sure we stomped quite like that, but we walked through the house and found the, the back door to the garage. And uh, I always loved descending down wooden stairs and, you know, again, not so clompy, I think, but 
you'd flicker on the lights, uh, and the fluorescent light would would reveal this huge old wooden tool bench covered with tools and jars and coffee cans filled with old nails and screws. And, and then he'd reach over his homemade wooden tool chest and click on the ham's beer light which hung on the wall. When the lights came on, it revealed a beautiful, serene lake scene with the moving, rippling water effect and the sound of chirping birds. Not quite like that, but I thought it was the most fantastic thing I ever saw. Gramps kept his 1956 Crestliner fishing boat in the garage, and we'd climb up into it with the aid of a stepladder, and he'd let me sit in the captain's chair, and put my hands on the steering wheel, and I'd pretend to speed across White Bear Lake, or Bald Eagle, or, or Gull Lake. While I was navigating imaginary waters, Gramps dug out his old tackle box and opened it up. I listened with fascination as he told me stories of the fish he caught and his favorite lures. He didn't really talk like that, would he? He had countless old daredevils and jitterbugs, silver minnows, torpedoes, Mep's rooster tails, and so... Now knock that off, Virgil, these ba- they didn't they didn't I, 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 oh, I didn't want this to turn into a cartoon virtual oh, That's Lloyd. Good old Lloyd. Time to top off your coffee? Rejoin Fudd and Bjorn in Cabin Cook. My non-swimmer mother did join us on a, a trolling trip. She didn't mind the trolling, or better yet, let's throw an anchor down. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what she had for an old lure on the end of her line, but she hooked into a good yeah, five, five, six-pound northern pike. Mm-hmm. And that's it. For for Daggett Lake in the in the late late seventies early eighties that was a good sized fish. That's yeah. you know they're just it's not a, a lake that's renowned for for big fish. And again, Don, if your board lights up with the callers, we haven't seemed to be able to get yet. Uh, somebody might call in and say, "Oh, contraire, my friend." Oh yeah, on the fourteen lakes of the Whitefish chain, that's that's been figured out now. There's fourteen, 14 lakes, fourteen, 14 lakes. Although I still have cousins that will swear there's 15. Yeah. But um, Daggett, not renowned for big, big fish. It's Like I said, it's a water ski course. Mm-hmm. You know, It's a jet ski activity area. But uh, she caught about a five-pound northern. And it got stringerized, got put on the stringer. You know, we fished some more, and then we brought it back. My dad had built himself out of scrap wood and chicken wire a, a live box mm-hmm. with a lid. You know, I had a, had a cover. And he put that in there. And then later that night, he was going to go down and clean clean the fish. And uh, heard some hollering and hooting, and, a, and he kind of came up with this sheepish look on his face and said, well, I hate to tell you this, sometimes when, when he was not feeling good about what he had to talk about, <laughs> when she became mother. I, I'm not quite sure how to tell you this, mother, but uh, <laughs> your trophy went back in the lake. And, oh, for crying out loud, oh. what are you talking about? Well, it, I grabbed it and I pulled it up out of the live box, and it thrashed and it thrashed again. And I, you know, fish slime. I just lost it. it. Off he went. He took off. He was. It was not his day. It was not his day. And my mom, to the day she died, swore he just let it go because she'd caught a bigger <laughs> fish than he had. And it didn't bite him. It didn't, you know, stick him. Anything. It just. He, oh, and and that was one of those stories. He t- every now and again he'd do something that was not a hundred percent above board. And when when the my mom wasn't around. He'd kind of get this sort of like <laughs> laugh and you know grin on his face, and I was like, "All right, Dad, really, what happened there? <laughs> no, it got away from me. I couldn't get." <laughs> I was like, "Yep, you got skunked by your wife, and that wasn't going to happen. So you let him go." And it was a northern pike, not renowned for great eating, you know, a, a bony fish, a bony right. fish, the freshwater freshwater predator, you know. He hated the Y-bones. He hated cleaning them. So. Well, it's that time again, Fudd. 
Is it? Oh my it goodness. It is, in fact, the... What I like to think is a crowd favorite. Time yet again to dig deep. The Schmidt Scenic Collection. Excellent. And let's see what we can find. Thoughts of the great race god always come to mind for me. Ads talking about the Schmidt Scenic Collection. Sure enough. What do we got? We have the dreaded workhorse. <laughs> workhorse and colt by the white picket fence. A barn in the distance. Oh, yes. They're on high ground. It's either a bird of prey in the air, high above, or a scratch in the paint. I'm not quite sure which. (laughs) But there we are. What comes to mind for you, Fudd? Well, how I grew up not anywhere near horses. Uh, Wasn't uh, around farm country, and I think... I'm trying to remember if I even rode ponies or anything at the state fair or anything like that. Paul Bunyan land. You got put on the back of a pony and led around. I, I Thinking back to Driftwood Resort. Oh. The Lee Geld family, I think, possibly still owning said resort. Or they did. That was one of their attractions, was get on the back of this pony and be led around the camp. It's, uh... Cool. You know, when you're from a suburb and don't know anything... I can say this much. I did, in fact, spend a lot of time in farm country as a young guy and uh, a lot of farmer relatives. And my dad and my mom both talked about the, the heavy workhorses on the farm uh-huh. um, out in the western part of the states. You know, my family goes back a ways. Um, my parents were a little bit a little bit older, and I was one of the last kids in, on both sides of the family. So they both remembered workhorses on the family farm. Oh, crazy stuff i uh recall my dad talking about uh having to hitch up the team to go out and and do some heavy work if they were pulling like a stone boat which was you know every spring the the ground forces up more rocks yeah and you got to bring this big kind of sled out there pulled by you know clydesdales or belgians or pertrans whatever you got these big workhorses and he said you you had respect for these animals because they were huge and the shoes on their feet were bigger than your head. Wow. And uh, you wanted to make sure you stayed on their good side. They could pull unbelievable amounts. Now, and one other thing, the other side of our family, um, I had an uncle that was kind of a, a rascal, dare I say. Oh, yeah. He did some rather interesting things. At one point, he uh, got my mom convinced that she could ride a pig. Oh, dear. And... Uh, Mom got on the back of this pig, and then he slapped the pig on the hind end, and off it went. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that didn't end well, and there were a lot of horror stories about pigs ending people's lives, you know, kids especially. So that, I think, uh, my grandfather got fairly upset with the lad, but uh, uh-huh. one of his other tricks at one point was uh, walking around with a book of matches and walking through the barn, and they had these huge farm draft horses and he tried to uh, light one of the horse's tails on fire (laughs) and uh, that seemed like a good idea to him at the time and then one of these big horses you know got its flicked its tail and put out the fire and its immediate response was to kick with a rear rear leg full force caught my uncle right in the chest and they were kind of worried he wasn't going to pull through it It, you know broke a few ribs and knocked the air out of him and yeah, holy cow. But, but with equal equal measure, what on God's green earth were you thinking? How is yeah. this in any way, shape, or form well, a good he, idea? He kind of asked for it, it sounds like. He, he sort of did. He sort of did. Wow. Then on a more modern note, I guess, not to just turn this into the Bjorn reminisces section, but... It's all right, I've got nothing with horses. <laughs> nothing at all with the horses. Not, not but while dating my wife, I learned the hard way that she was quite allergic to horses and this brings us back to the great minnesota get-together uh-huh. uh, my parents both being of farm families my dad's favorite thing you know in the 70s and even early 80s when he was still going and and taking me along was machinery hill let's see what all the new farm implements are going to look like and then they had all the old antique tractors out there that they would fire up and run and stand there and watch and regale me the stories about oh that's a it's an international harvester of some number. I'd never mm-hmm. heard of, you know, what it, yep, okay, Dad. And then it just, you know, oh, we used to have those hooked up to a manure spreader, and you'd, you'd hear there, and it would start that thing, and it would pop. And you always had a coffee can 
upside down over the exhaust pipe so the rain didn't get in. Start the motor, fire the coffee can 15 feet in the air. Oh, is that crazy? Well, okay, and he loved to go through the stock barns and you know, watch the FFA kids drop rubber spiders on people as they walk through and freak them out. I thought, hey, let's continue that tradition with this woman I'm very interested in. You know, I was, I'm seeing a future here. Let's go into the stock barns. I'll show you my past. Walked around and looked at some of these amazing horses and things we don't know about. You know, big horses and a lot of a lot of horse breeders kind of around the Stillwater area, Chicago. They're all showing their horses. And within moments, she's sneezing. Mm-hmm. Like someone I've never... I mean, unbelievable. Just one after another, after another, after another. Are you all right? And then her eyes started to seal shut. Oh, my and She God. said, I think it's time we get out of here. I'm allergic to horses. Well... <laughs> would have been good to know before I hauled you in here. Caused an amazing wave of allergic reactions. Wanted to make a good impression, I think, you know. Early days. Thanks for joining me. (laughs) Let's let you go blow your nose for the next six days. Yeah, it was crazy. It was unbelievable. Does she ever refer to that now? Like, uh, do you remember when you dragged me into the horse? You know, yeah, it's it's still kind of viewed, I think, with like the haze of early early dating (laughs) days. "Ah, I should have known better and said I can't do this. But yeah, we went in and I was humoring you and blah, blah, blah. Boy, did I react to that. Yeah, she sure did. She sure did. Yeah, horses were never something that, you know, I think there are horse people and then everyone else. Yeah, that's right. I guess I'm part of everyone else. I don't I don't really know much about them. I have students that are big horse riders and equestrians, you know, and they want to spend time in barns and groom horses and own horses and all this stuff. I know for some people it's absolutely therapeutic. Sure. You know, I've, I've talked to people who so say that's like a great dream of theirs is to own a small parcel of land and have horses. Kind of become, you know, commune, I guess. That's the wrong word. What am I looking for? You know, it's like it's like form this bond, sort of mental, spiritual bond with this great animal. Find their serenity. My brother who lives on the west coast yes uh he they do have horses they either rent or even own and they they do spend a lot of time doing that so that comes to mind and it did remind me also bjorn that it was just last last year that uh the family and i went and and we stayed at a dude ranch the dude ranch yeah. arizona my right? wife's yeah my wife's folks are are snowbirds <laughs> And they have a place in Arizona, and uh, we visit them, and we try to schedule in some other visits. I mean, the kids love that, you know, Grandpa and Grandma have a pool, and they could just hang out there all the time. But uh, dry heat. My wife and I like to, you know, tour some of the the desert lands. Not a doubt. Well, she found a dude ranch, and it was it was very nice. When you went in for dinner, I had to wear a jacket. So you're thinking Dressed dude ranch, dinner. you're thinking, well, you just wear jeans everywhere and a cowboy have a hat. Chaw, tobacco. Well, that might be during the day when you go on horseback rides. We dress for dinner at this dude ranch, sir. We went and we did have a two uh, two mile I think it was a two mile ride. Or it was a two hour ride, one of the one of the two. That was it was uh, <laughs> one or the other. It had two in it. Uh, Depending on your horsemanship, it could have been a two mile ride that lasted two hours. It's entirely possible. But these folks are serious, you know. You, you you give them your height and weight and your experience on horses and so forth, and they they pick out the best size one. And I know my temperament. My ten year old uh, at the time, she was given this old timer who was a shorty. Uh, can't remember their names, but uh, but nice calm horse. Fudge. Uh, <laughs> Giddy up, fudge. <laughs> but uh, anyways, it was a very nice, a very nice trip. They had a full-size cardboard cutout of Hopalong Cassidy and his well, there horse we go. Topper Happy. in the office. In fact, I even asked, hey, can I move out uh, Hopalong here, out in front by the by the horses so I could take a picture? Well, no. No, that's going to... That, that might make some of the horses nervous. We'd like to keep it in the office. Well, all right. Okay. Horses right. shying away from <laughs> Hop along, Cassidy. Right. But he's a good guy. Loves his horses. Hoppy. You know, many episodes, he'd uh, if he saw a man abusing a horse, he'd, hey, 
Knock that off. I make this is none of your business. I'm making it my business, he'd say. Exactly. Anyway, yeah, well, it's amazing what true a husbandman Schmidt can with the horses on it will bring without up. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I do have one last thing out there, Fudd, that kinda ties in and strangely enough ties in with Arizona. Hey. Uh, visiting my sister, who uh resides in, in Casa Grande, Arizona. And I was down there visiting with my other sister. And so the two sisters and myself and at her place, and she thought it would be a great idea for us to take a short ATV lesson and then ride ATVs across the Sonora Desert hmm. uh, and through these trails and these canyons. And it was, it was a lot of fun. It was interesting um, in that not everyone in our family is, is real mechanically inclined, <laughs> and there were a couple... Well, there was one small collision, and, and <laughs> nobody owed anybody any damages or anything, but it, I just thought, well, where's this going to end? But part of it, we did a, a long climb, and you kind of learn how to almost like gully jump and rock hop on these ATVs. And oh, you're sure. going over terrain where you're like, I don't think we can get over this. Sure you can. Lean properly and hit the gas and then hit the brakes. And Yeah, you're going oh. over all these crazy you know, rocks and, and gullies and all this stuff, and all of a sudden we ended it kind of at the end of where they wanted to take us. We could have kept going, but... We only had a couple hours to do this. Where they brought us was into this ravine where there was the remains of an old adobe building. Three walls and oh, some wow. hitching posts out front. Wow. And in a state of disrepair. I mean, it <laughs> clearly was made in the 1800s and it fallen, started falling apart in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And our guide said, well, this is the last post of the Pony Express. Really? So this is this is a a place where a rider would come in, hand off the bag to the other rider, who would then take off on a fresh horse, and then that rider would get some sleep, get some food, a couple days here, refresh, let the horse come back to to ability again, and, and uh, a couple days, you know, chewing tumbleweed and whatever grass is growing there in this ravine. It's a fresh horse, fresh rider, and they they take another. Another mail pouch and take off again in the other direction. So that was kind of interesting as, as a kid yeah. growing up and reading all these Western magazines that got left at our cabin by the owner of the old oh, resort. Sure. You know, fascinated. There was a magazine called Real West. And he just had stacks of these things. And I was fascinated by the you know, struggles between the settlers and the First Nations and, and old law enforcement and people, you know, stringing up parties where they're hanging people who've been found guilty of horse theft and all this kind of stuff and all these stories about the Pony Express and there I was standing and they say hey, don't go in there please it's not safe <laughs> one wall is kind of getting ready to keel over Wow, could be dangerous but yeah you're standing here at the last known Arizona standing building of the old Pony Express that's very cool it was cool and you know, little somebody for some reason somebody always wants to stick their hand in paint and put their handprint on the wall oh yeah somebody done that too but just, yeah, the, the kind of wooden trough where the horses used to get water was falling apart. There were hitching posts. And it was interesting. Yeah, I was like, wow, I feel like I've actually seen now a part of that that old west that uh, we kind of only know from stories and movies. And there it was right in front of me. Well, being a painter, Bjorn, did you feel the urge to take a picture and try to take it home? And You know, and I did, and I don't know if it's the camera and my phone or what but it just ended up looking like kind of a beat up old shack out in the middle of nowhere i love i love i love those vistas of just like man open open land and, and cactus and, uh, rocks and off in the distance those kind of purplish mountains that are moon rising and all this cool stuff it was there but my my phone camera wouldn't do it justice so i, I left it alone and it took all kinds of great photos of these huge kind of mesas with the saguaro cactus growing you know, halfway up their sides. Right. This is incredible. We've been hearing the stories about yeah, out here in Arizona there were actually civil war battles fought between the Confederates and the North. Huh. Way out west in Arizona at one really? point. I don't remember which side it was exactly, but they were they'd gotten their hands on camels somehow. They were using camels because of their ability to last in the desert without, without water. Sure. Who'd believe it? You know, where are they now? Are there any wild camels running around? Good stories, Bjorn. Well, you had some yourself, but it was good, a good night's talk. That's right. Good you talk. Open, open up the tackle box and 
Who knows what's going to come out? What treasures may await and what they might actually hook into. We'll have to see this fall what happens with the new frog. Yes. It'll be exciting to see what the waters of Baxter Pillager offer to the, the new frog. The new frog. Exciting stuff. Well, that's about it for now. Thanks so much for hanging out here on the dock with my friend Bjorn Lloydstead, myself, Fudd Klugman. We'll see you next time on Cabin Country. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.